welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, but I am not in the official ATB studios this week, nor is my tag team partner, but he's joining us from the road as well. KP, where on earth are you this week? I'm in middle America, baby. I'm in Kansas City, gravy. I'm getting set to call a Major League Soccer match for Apple TV later on tonight. So I'm on the road, but I wish I was where you are. Where are you at? I am in the beautiful, stunning, sunny Bahamas. We are celebrating our baby moon as uh, Mela's time with the ability to travel is running short. So uh, this is the first time of my four, well, I have three children, my fourth on the way that I've experienced a baby moon where you come and you do some serious relaxation because let's be honest, KP, you know all too well when you've got little ones running around, there is no time to relax. Yeah, forget about it, man. Enjoy your time and love to love to Carmela. Hope she's feeling well through all of this. And you know what? I hope our colleague Megan Morant is feeling well right about now because we have to give Meg a big shout out and lots of love her way. Meg has donated a kidney, Graves, uh, to someone in need. And it was, you know, a wonderful story. She took to Instagram to explain everything. It was originally set to be donated to a colleague of ours at WWE who then found a donor. Meg went on to to find someone else and, you know, continue with this process. So just a wonderful human being. Yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, like, I can't even fathom the kindness in a person that, that is willing to do something like that. So shout out to Megan. Hope everything goes smoothly and that you're all healed up and that the, uh, the process doesn't take too much out of you. We look forward to seeing you. Very, very soon. But hey, in keeping in the theme of difference, KP, I mean, we're, we're both on the road bringing the ATB faithful what they need. We decided to do things a little different this way. I'm really stoked about our guest this week. We talk every week about the ATB faithful, the fans that give us a reason to wake up every week and make this podcast and, and enlighten the WWE universe. We've got a bit of a heavy hitter, pun intended, uh, a member, a fan, if you will, of the world of WWE, but he's a big star elsewhere, uh, a career 300 hitter. He is the color commentator for the Philadelphia Phillies baseball team. John Cruck will be joining us to chat all things WWE. We know WrestleMania is headed to Philly. I am so excited. I'm, I'm fanboying a little bit, if I'm being honest. You, you know me, KP. The only thing I may love more than WWE in the world is baseball. But he's always been in WWE, right? Even throughout his baseball career, I've just loved diving in to learn a lot more about John Crook over the past few days. And man, he could be a color analyst at WWE. He could be a manager no doubt. at WWE. He could be managing the Judgment Day. I can't wait to dive into all <laughs> things WWE with this fellow. You mentioned the Judgment Day, uh, which you and I witnessed on Monday Turmoil seems to be the theme of the several last several weeks, at least the last month within WWE. Of course, the disintegration we've witnessed of the bloodline. We had the trial of the tribal chief on Friday night on SmackDown. Jay Uso at the in the closing moments of the show challenging Roman Reigns to be the head of the table, to be the champion. Curious to see how Roman responds to that. But we're seeing turmoil within the Judgment Day, cracks within the Judgment Day. Uh, which seemed almost unheard of a few weeks ago. But since Money in the Bank, I know you, KP, pay a lot of attention to this. Things on the surface, at least at the end of Monday Night Raw, seem to be okay, but you and I have both seen this movie before. We know there are cracks in the foundation. What say you? Yeah, 100%. And the same with NXT. You know, when it's all said and done on NXT, the Judgment Day looked like a pretty united front. Right. But there's subtle things that we were noticing here. Finn Balor came out full of rage uh, on Monday. 
going after Damien Priest on the microphone. It took Rhea Ripley to be that calming presence, something I never thought I'd say about the Eradicator, to right. step out and just calm Finn down. But there were little looks here and there. I'm not, I'm not so sure Finn has gotten over the money in the bank scenario when Priest walked out with that contract and looked like he was nearly ready to cash in on Finn if Finn became world heavyweight champion. I don't know, Graves. I don't know if I'm buying it right now that all is rosy in the camp of the Judgment Day. What do you think? I think it's tricky. I think it's a tricky situation. And it, when you've seen a lot of factions within WWE recently. You've got the Bloodline. You've got the Judgment Day. You've got Imperium, who even within Imperium, there seems to be some sort of turmoil. Obviously, Gunther not thrilled with how things played out on Monday night. And poor uh, Giovanni Vinci left holding the bag. <laughs> did, did you feel bad? I felt a little bad for Giovanni Vinci. Just He looked so sad, like he just disappointed his father. That, it, it, that, was, that was the look on Vinci's face. It wasn't, oh, no, the ring general might beat me up. It was like, oh, man, I disappointed dad. <laughs> it felt very much that way. Also, Kaiser looks at him as if to say you let the team down. You were part of the tag team, too. Yeah, yeah Kaiser playing the role of big brother going, you really screwed that one up. <laughs> what, what, what an interesting dynamic. Uh, and uh, we've seen in the past, and Ludwig Kaiser knows firsthand, uh, how Gunther tends to handle his disappointments within Imperium. Uh, poor Ludwig Kaiser wore a few handprints from the Intercontinental Champion uh, when they first arrived in WWE. And I fear for Giovanni, he may experience a similar fate. Uh, but there's so much to get to. I mean, we're, talk- we're talking about the cracks in the-, in the Judgment Day, cracks in Imperium. What was your big takeaway from Monday night? I think for me, it was Cody Rhodes and the, the-, the microphone in the middle of the ring, that impassioned American nightmare that we saw. Listen, you and I spoke at length last week about Cody Rhodes and how this fella in a three-piece suit, so stupidly immaculate looking everywhere he goes, you know, can appeal to the common man and woman around the country and around the world. And Cody Rhodes has this unique ability to do so. And on Monday, again, I'm slapping you on the commentary desk being like, this is exactly it. This is what we talked about. When Cody Rhodes talked about we all have a Brock Lesnar, right? Whether it's crippling anxiety, whether it's a fear of heights. He talked about how he's going up against someone who, you know, is, what did he call it again? A walking billboard for Darwinism and natural selection in Brock Lesnar. <laughs> it was an amazing, accurate. amazing moment. And accurate, exactly. Look at Brock Lesnar. But he, he talks about his story, you know, and, and getting to that mountaintop eventually. And he has to go through Brock Lesnar. And just the way he spoke about that, whether it's student debt, and he listed off a bunch of different hurdles for for the average person, made me realize once more why Cody Rhodes is just so truly special in our business right now. Yeah, I completely agree with you. We talked about how Cody speaks to the WWE universe, not at them. And most people who view WWE, most people are fans. They will never know the daunting task that is physically encountering any of our superstars, let alone Brock Lesnar. So to break it down and make it relatable to everybody and really let you in on his mindset and his mentality, I totally agree with you. Cody Rhodes is just operating on a different level right now. And he's also clinically insane because (laughs) no one in their right mind would ever, under any circumstance, pick a fight with the Beast Incarnate. And we know the Beast is going to be in Atlanta this coming Monday. We do indeed. I've got my family all coming as well, Gravy. I can't wait. I live in Atlanta. I live just north of the city and uh, we've got a- You're Cody's neighbor, KB. Yeah. Let's talk about this. We are. This is why you're glowing when you talk about uh, Cody. Similarly, uh, the way you glow when Becky Lynch does anything, <laughs> including Brie. neighbor thing. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> but, but speak to that. I mean, Cody, Cody's active in the community. You say all the time, every time you see Cody, he is immaculately dressed. This is not a gimmick. This is not something that Cody puts on for television. Cody is the genuine article right now. 
Yeah, this is Cody's life. You know, this is this is it for him. I mean, this is everything. You see it with uh, with his wife Brandy and their child Libby. Everything about them as a family is also the American nightmare and what Cody Rhodes and the American nightmare stands for. Uh, and I think you're going to see that over the coming weeks as well. Um, look, Atlanta's going to be bopping. Cody Rhodes is from Atlanta. He's from just outside of Atlanta, and he will have so many people in attendance. So if Brock Lesnar comes out and decides to answer that call. The American Nightmare is not going to shy away. And I'm just so excited that it's in Atlanta, you know, where Cody Rhodes and obviously Dusty Rhodes and, and the history of Atlanta, Georgia and WWE and wrestling. It's going to be a raucous atmosphere, man, at State Farm Arena. I totally agree with you. And I apologize for being a little distracted. My uh, beautiful pregnant wife just walked out of the room in her bikini and I've got a little distracted. You know, I mean, do, do you know what? I have one of those. I have one of those new AI cameras that follows movement. So you're lucky you don't have one of those. Yeah, I'm, I'm on my remote setup on my iPad. So don't be creeping, KP. <laughs> Carmella be walking out in the nip and your camera will just start turning towards it. <laughs> no, I'm excited. We had, we had big plans. We had sushi reservations later. We're going to go spend the afternoon on the lazy river. Uh, but we got to bring a, the ATB faithful all of their news, all of our hot takes, all of our takeaways from Monday Night Raw. My takeaway, you, you got something on your mind, KP. What were you going to say? I was just, I, I was dying to ask you about that because I dove a little bit on Cody Rhodes, but I know you were you were drawn into a few different things on Monday, but what was the headline for you? My takeaway, uh, aside from the turmoil between every friendship we see on screen, as tends to be a theme in WWE, was the segment and the interaction between Ricochet and Logan Paul. Now, Ricochet called out Logan Paul, wanted to bring him face-to-face in the ring after their spectacular crash and burn at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view in the Men's Money in the Bank ladder match, uh, where if you haven't seen it by now, pause the podcast Look it up. It was terrifying. It was scary. And Logan had some less than flattering things to say on his impulsive podcast about Ricochet. Called him unprofessional. A lot of stuff uh, Logan repeated on Monday Night Raw. But my big takeaway was this. We talked a lot when Logan first joined the WWE about the expectations and how he had to sort of shed the image of outsiders. And I don't think anybody at this point would disagree that Logan Paul has shed the outsider uh, tourist image within WWE. He has proven, at least from a physical capacity, he has what it takes to be an elite level superstar. We've seen from Ricochet for years, he has the physical tools and traits to be a megastar. There is almost nothing that a wrestler can dream up in WWE or elsewhere that Ricochet cannot do. Pound for pound, the guy's a powerhouse. He's not just a quote unquote flippy wrestler guy. He can stand his ground. He can fight bell to bell. Very few walking the earth better than Ricochet. But in my opinion, at the end of the Ricochet-Logan Paul interaction, I think Logan Paul outshined Ricochet. Why? And I, Because Logan Paul, to me, said the right things the way he carried himself to me. Ricochet looked like a guy who needs to conquer the mountain that is Logan Paul and not vice versa. And this is the first time I think we've seen that from Logan Paul. Logan Paul, of course, steps into the ring with a Seth freaking Rollins, with a Roman Reigns, even the Miz. Uh, Miz, you know, the guy's, the guy's a surefire Hall of Famer. Ricochet's profile has sort of perpetually been on the cusp. He's always almost been that guy. Yes, he's been United States champion. Yes, he's been Intercontinental champion. Yes, I think there's a lot of tre- tread left on those tires, and I think Ricochet has a lot more to accomplish, and he'll tell you as much. I just think, for the first time, the shoe is on the other foot, where we have a quote-unquote full-time WWE superstar in Ricochet, 
who needs to beat Logan Paul. We saw the physicality at the end, and Ricochet was able to avoid the, the million-dollar punch, that one lucky punch that Logan loves to tout, and Seth Rollins has experienced on multiple occasions. Ricochet ducked. He dodged. He weaved. He looked like Mayweather out there. But in the end, to me, Logan Paul stole that segment. Logan Paul, without ever even stepping foot in the ring, had complete control of the WWE universe. He even said so. He said, Ricochet, this is your promo, and even the chants are about me. I think Logan Paul is feeling himself right now, and Logan Paul realizes, I might have the upper hand in in this showdown. And to me, the onus is now on Ricochet to be that guy, to represent all of the superstars in the locker room who would love to have a spot at SummerSlam or in the Money in the Bank ladder match or at WrestleMania who go, oh man, that should have been me. That should have been my spot. Why does Logan Paul get that spot? Because Logan Paul is a star beyond the halls of WWE. Logan Paul, we talk about him being a social media megastar. That's not just a tagline. That's why Logan Paul was able to get his foot in the door at WWE. But unlike so many celebrities in the past, he's not here just to be a tourist, to do it once in a blue moon. He loves it. Logan Paul is putting in the work. Logan Paul is taking this extremely seriously. And I dare say his star is currently sitting higher than Ricochet. Yes, I think Logan Paul has to beat Ricochet, okay? You've talked about Ricochet having to beat Logan Paul. Think about what Ricochet represents for Logan Paul. Logan's rocked into WWE and he's beaten The Miz. You talk about Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins, two very different wrestlers, two very, very different superstars, but both operating at their apex, at the mountaintop, two world champions right now. Logan didn't beat them. Okay, so now Logan comes in against the high flyer, the highlight of the night. Ricochet is supernatural. There's something so extraordinary about him that will leave jaws dropped all around the world. He might not be human. He may not be. (laughs) But Logan now is going to face a different challenge, uh, physically a very different challenge. The only thing left after someone like Ricochet would be maybe a Brock Lesnar, an absolute beast, or going up against someone like a Bronson Reed or an Otis, you know, a physical beast. Uh, a behemoth, uh, yeah, uh, physically, just, in stature-wise. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, brute, you know, a big bison. Like, that's the sort of, uh, of thing that would be left for Logan Paul to conquer. If Logan Paul can conquer Ricochet in a high-flying match that will leave us all, you know, astounded by what we've seen, well, hang on a second. Then Logan Paul is starting to add this versatility to, to, his, uh, to his resume. And, and then it's a scary thought because Logan's, what, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, physically... Physically, he's, he's a really big boy. Well, yeah. I'll say this about Logan Paul. I was had a good chance to chat with him for a little bit behind the scenes. He's so invested in what he's doing. He's so invested in his character. He's all in on this. This is a fellow who just had Arsenal and Barcelona just sign on as uh, with Prime. You know, he's got a million things going on right now in, in his businesses. Yet when he rocks into WWE, he couldn't take it more seriously. But he's up against a full-time WWE superstar that can do anything in the ring in Ricochet. And I thought Ricochet answered what Logan had to offer on the microphone really well in that Matrix style where he, he jumped out of the ring in incredible fashion and dodged Logan's. Yeah, that, that was not CGI, folks. Yeah. You, you don't need to adjust your screen. You're not going to find any wires somewhere. That was, that was Ricochet on Ricochet's own two feet. It was mind-blowing. When this comes to a head, which it almost certainly will, perhaps SummerSlam, uh, Logan Paul and Ricochet is going to be one for the ages. And no matter who wins the matchup, the WWE Universe will win because we will witness a spectacle, no doubt. And as you were pontificating, KP, I was mostly proud that when you said Arsenal and Barcelona... You knew who they were? I knew what you were talking about. Because <laughs> I don't know if you know this about me. You may be Mr. MLS in Kansas City right now, but old gravy, I'm a soccer expert now. I know. You can verify. 
I became a soccer expert in one night in my hometown of Pittsburgh this past Saturday. And bud, you saw a nil all draw. I was devastated. When I went on my little lap to check the score and I said, I hope Graves got a 4-3 thriller. I hope it was like just this, this out of this world, you know, nine goal game. No, zero, zero. And I'm like, no. My biggest takeaway was not necessarily what happened on the field. And shout out to the Pittsburgh Riverhounds who showed myself and my children an amazing time. Their their kindness was off the charts. I I bought tickets. I went as just a fan. There was no no organization. There was no plan. I I wasn't the social media ambassador for the night. I I just went as a fan. And and thankfully, a few people recognized me and showed me an un- believable time uh there's there's a a supporter section called the steel army and man they were just rabid the whole time it felt like the one section of the stadium at least felt like an entire wwe arena has recently we talked last week about how the crowds have really become the stars of the show uh that was the case i I get it now i am obviously far from a, a soccer slash football expert but i understood the passion and how much fun it was just being in that atmosphere and i loved how many of the uh, football supporters were WWE fans. I was walking around that stadium like the mayor. There were people just saying like, oh yeah, we love WWE. And, and I love when worlds come together, KP. But we just had uh, with the Atlanta United match a couple of weeks ago, Xavier Woods w- hit the golden spike. Essentially, it's like singing the, at the seventh inning stretch at Wrigley Field. You know, right. so it's you hammer the golden spike and it's in front of the supporter section. And Woodsy, man, he texted me afterwards. I, I had a helping hand in, in organizing it. And he was like, that was amazing. He goes, I'm, I'm, I'm hooked now. I'll be back. And listen, I need to return the favor. I need to go to my first Braves game. So I've never been to an Atlanta Braves game and I live in Atlanta. So if you're making the investment to dive in a little bit into the football world, I got to do the same and, and join the baseball community. There you go. Or, or hop on a flight and I'll take you to the greatest ballpark in America, PNC Park, where we can watch my Pirates. Uh, that's my opinion. I'm sure our guest will have his own opinions, may even disagree with me, especially as a Pennsylvania rivalry, Phillies Pirates. It is such an honor. I am so excited to have a member of the ATB faithful, a super WWE fan, and a baseball legend as our guest here on After the Bell. Please welcome the one and only John Cruck. John, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us here on After the Bell. Uh, despite having a legendary baseball career, we're all fans of other things. I'm always fascinated. I'm a huge baseball fan in my world, despite working in WWE. You have been a lifelong WWE fan. What is it about this business, about this sport that's drawn you in? Uh, you know, I, I, Corey, I started, uh, my aunt watched wrestling. And so uh, I, I remember sitting there watching wrestling one day. Oh, my God, this is probably early mid sixties. And, uh, okay. there, there was this big Cause I'm from West Virginia. So there was this big mountain looking of a man named moon mountain D and he used to, his finishing move was he would body slam someone and then sit on their face. I was fascinated by that. <laughs> Not the sitting on the face part. That's kind of disgusting. <laughs> but I was fascinated by watching wrestling and, you know, as it evolves for me, the, the athletes or the wrestlers became athletes and you know right. it's, it's so much fun to watch uh that's how i got started watching and i i've not quit since were you ever tempted to to venture into this world instead of your baseball world no uh 
No, my God, no. I mean, come on, I'm I'm five ten. I mean, those guys would kill me. I can can imagine like in my heyday walking in the in the ring with the you know Stone Cold or uh, Hulk Hogan or someone like that, just getting annihilated. No, I'm not into that. I like watching people. I like watching people get the crap beat out of more, and I like to get the crap beat out of myself. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> who 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 were some of your favorites growing up? Well, uh, I, I used to, I remember when we first got cable uh, where I grew up and um, it was, uh, uh, I think it was Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yeah. And uh, Tommy Rich was my favorite. Wildfire. And, and the re- yeah, the reason I love Tommy Rich, because he had the long, you know, bleach blonde hair and he seemingly bled in every match. So that hair would turn red. Yes. And, you know. But I I loved him. I Stan Hansen, I loved the Lariat, Stan the Hansen, Stan the Lariat Hansen. Those are the guys that I grew up watching. Harley Race was in there too. I mean, I loved Arn Anderson. Uh those are the guys that I grew up watching um uh because of my aunt. And uh I, I just th- those are the guys that I grew up and then it, you know, it, of course then it got so big after Vince bought everything and the athletes now, even the female athletes they're just like light years ahead of what they were back then. Yeah, it's a totally different game. Just the, the physical evolution, like any sport, uh, just the athletes get better, more specialized. The training's different. Obviously, everyone takes a lot better care of themselves you know, personally now. Uh, yeah, we, we hate those people, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we just sit on the sidelines and talk about them these days. <laughs> so so as your baseball career is progressing, uh you still kept up with wrestling, and I understand my producer let me know that you guys had a few uh, interactions in your playing days when WWE would come to town in Philly. Well, yeah, I uh, I actually, after I retired, I worked for the Phillies briefly for, uh, well, I still work with them, I guess. I don't know. I don't. Do you ever leave? I don't think the Phillies ever let you leave. They always bring you back in. But uh, so I was in an office, and uh, Bill Goldberg called. They were in town for Raw. And in Philly. And I said, uh, so he said, come on. He goes, let's get some lunch. I said, what do you want? We can order and have it delivered here. We can sit here and eat it. Well, he wanted snap peas and some, I don't know what the hell it's healthy crap. I'm clueless about. (laughs) So I told him, I said, can you do me a favor when you walk in? He said, yeah, what do you need? I said, there's a guy in the first office to your right. When you walk through the door, he just had a vasectomy scare the living crap out of him. <laughs> well, the guy's door was slightly ajar and, and Bill just came from working out. So, I mean, he had on a tank top, you know, the tattoos and he's jacked like you wouldn't believe. He kicked the guy's door and it was slightly ajar, so he didn't break the door. He kicked the door in and he goes, how's your nuts? And I, you know, I swear, Corey and Kevin, this guy... Oh, my God. He screamed at the top of his lung. And I'm down the hall watching this whole thing and laughing my ass off, man. And it, it was uh, the guy don't work for the Phillies anymore. That could have eased his way out of the organization. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame him. I don't know too many civilians who would take too kindly to Goldberg busted in their office. I mean, Goldberg's a terrifying human being, physically speaking. Yeah, I went to watch uh, at the old Spectrum where Rocky fought all his fights, you know. Uh, I was watching, uh, I went there and I just had my shoulder reconstructed basically. And so I went and I was supposed to have that pillow thing they do after surgery. So they, they, they put me up in a suite so people wouldn't like walk by and grab me and shake my hand. Next thing you know, the, uh, ultimate warrior comes in 
into the suite with all the face stuff he had and, you know, the things on his arms that make his biceps look huge. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. He grabs my arm. John, how you doing? And, and grabs, starts skating my arm. I'm like, oh, dear God. <laughs> well, I had to go to the hospital and get restitched. <laughs> I had to restitch. Stop. Oh, yeah. Kruk has yeah. experienced the power of the ultimate warrior firsthand. It's not oh a gimmick. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, it was it was it was awful, man. Uh, those those dudes are so strong. It's unbelievable. Oh man! So the ultimate warrior puts you on the sidelines for a further <laughs> amount of time, yeah? Well, yeah, but you know it it uh, it slowed up my uh, rehab process because now I had to wait to get those. They had to restitch me, so I had to wait another week to get the stitches out. So I. I was a week late on my rehab. <laughs> and I'm sure as I'm sure as a professional athlete, that's oh the sort of story God. you want to tell everybody. But at the same time, you're like, I don't know if I can admit this. Yeah, it was kind of kind of like, you know, when I went in, called the doctor and I told him, I, you know, the guy that did my surgery, I said, hey, you need to stitch me back up. And he goes, what happened? And when I told him, he's like, yeah, you're full. Of, you, you're so full of crap. But how did you really do it? He said, tell me you're trying to swing a bat or a golf club or something. I said, man, I'm telling you, the ultimate warrior grabbed my arm and was shaking it. And he goes, he goes, oh, okay, yeah, I'll believe that. He goes, well, come on, let's get let's get you stitched up. I'm like, I don't think he still believes me to this day. <laughs> That's absolutely incredible. I love that. Quick question for you regarding you in the public eye, right? When you when you're when you were on the Letterman show and you're you're doing the rounds with the microphone in your hand, you were so stupidly impressive. Did WWE in any way do you feel even subconsciously play a role in John Crook, the the personality that we saw on camera? Well, you know that that's that's what I love now. I love the guys who like the guys who can talk. Uh, Cena, The Rock, Stone Cold. Stone Cold was the best. And if I was if I was allowed yeah. to curse, I would have been stone cold on the air, I, I, you know. But you know they they have all these silly ass <laughs> rules that you can't swear on TV. Stupid, the four magic words, I guess. You know, and luckily I haven't said. I believe I did say one, but I don't think I've said the other three, so I'm still good. But I love I love the Rock, especially the way he would just casually ripped the hell out of another wrestler. And I'm sure that some of those wrestlers look like, did he just rip my ass? Cause I didn't get so. And, and I had some teammates that said I was like that, like, like in a nice way, you could rip our ass and then walk away. And they're sitting there thinking, I think he just ripped my ass. And <laughs> it's like a delayed insult. It takes him a few seconds to realize yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Well, those are the dumb. By then you're gone. You, you got to remember now, we're not very smart. Athletes aren't very smart. So <laughs> most of us. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was, yeah, I would have, oh man, talking like that would have been awesome. In your playing days, is there anybody, you obviously played with a lot of legendary personalities, uh, Darren Dalton, Lenny Dykstra, who in your opinion that you played with would have made the best WWE superstar? Oh man. Uh, I, you know, I, w- I would think Lenny. Because Lenny, Lenny could talk. Lenny was a good talker. Yeah. Um, Dave Hollins would be more uh, Undertaker. Okay. Very few words, but would bury your ass in a heartbeat if he had the chance. <laughs> um, but I, I think Lenny would have been a really, really good talker. Um, 
you know, as far as far as, you know, getting in the ring and ripping people like that, I think Lenny would have been probably the best one that I played with. Yeah, that was that was probably the top of my list. I sort of expected you to say Lenny Dykstra would have. He, he just had that larger than life personality. No doubt about it. Yeah. What, what are you enjoying most these days? Obviously, we if you listen to the Phillies broadcasts, uh, Kruk, you're semi regularly dropping WWE references, uh, what you're enjoying, what you're watching. Uh, what stands out to you these days? Well, you know, I, I announced for the Phillies. So, I mean, you know, we're in the middle of this season now. So that's kind of taken my priority. My daughter's going off to college. I'm not a fan of that. Good luck. Empty nester. Reality, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I you know, I, I'm just trying to – I play golf in the off season. We live in Florida in the winter, so I go play golf with my buddies and try to get to West Virginia. I got buddies of mine that, uh, you know, we've written some songs together. So uh, I, I, I want so bad to learn how to play an instrument, but um, – it's gotten now where I can't because I got arthritis so bad in my fingers. I can't, I have my, well, and, and that and talent keeps me from doing that. Oh, we'll just blame the ultimate warrior. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, but uh, I, I remember probably about 10 years ago, my son and I flew up from Florida to watch raw in Philly. And uh, so I, I've known Mick Foley for a long time. Okay. And, uh, you know, he's he's the guy, Corey and Kevin, that when he got thrown off the cage by the undertaker, teeth come out of his jaw, broken collarbone, broken cheek. And he continued. So anyway, we go in there and we're and Mick got his tickets and we're sitting like, you know, ringside where, you know, everyone talks and they're looking at the camera behind us, you know, and my son and we're sitting there. And all of a sudden, this big guy comes over and he goes, hey, you two. Come with me. Of course, my son was probably like 12. And he's like, Dad, are we in trouble? I said, I hope not. But, you know, you, you got him. I it kicked my rear end, man. I ain't messing with him. <laughs> and we walked back uh, and, and Mick was there. And Mick asked me, he said, who's your son's favorite wrestler? I said, well, he loves Seamus. So next thing you know, Seamus comes out and they're in front of the big WWE thing where they do the interviews after matches or before matches, you know. Seamus came out, gave him a hug, took pictures. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. But I, my son was like, man, you, he goes, I didn't understand how big these human beings are. They're all huge. Massive. Like, like it felt more, it felt normal when at that time the shield came out. Now Roman's big, but Seth and, and, uh, and Dean, Dean, Dean Ambrose. Yeah. They're, they, but they're big baseball fans. So we got to talk to them, I, you know, and then, you know, the, the Bella twins came out with AJ Lee and they took a picture with my son. I mean, it was like, it was like wrestling heaven for me back there. Just seeing all those guys. And I got to see Chris Jericho. I know Chris, um, but you know, Mick and my son even asked me, he said, dad, what's wrong with Mr. Foley? I said, I said, well, I said, I tell you what, you climb up a 30 foot cage, get thrown off into a table and let me see how you walk, <laughs> you know? And he goes, that's sad. I said, oh, it's, it's awful. And I feel so bad for Mick, but people can't believe when I tell, tell fans or wrestling, they ask me about wrestling. And I talk about Mick. But I don't think people understand. He's a genius, writes right. children's books and right. the whole and pe but people look at, you know, with the missing tooth and the hair and the, well, not anymore, but, you know, when he had that long hair and he was, 
you know, mankind. I mean, he scared the crap out of people. He's one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. His appearance is absolutely deceiving. Mick is one of the sweetest, kindest men to ever grace the earth, let alone the, the wrestling business. It's uh, far, few and far between. But also the the opportunity that presented itself to Mick back in the day when you said, right, you be mankind and those opening few scenes with mankind. And we often talk about it on this show, John, about taking advantage of the, the minutes that you get as a WWE superstar and some of the, the folks that just simply do it. Mick took his opportunity and ran with it for a long time. Yeah, I, I loved him, Kevin, as mankind. Dude love, eh, not so much. But uh, yeah, when he was mankind, he wore the 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 leather thing. Oh man, he was a badass man. I love it. Yeah. And his matches, his matches were legendary. I think he had a barbed wire uh, match. He had the tax on the, on the ring and in a cage and he got body slammed on the thing. And he had all those tacks sticking in him. Like, like this guy's freaking nuts, man. I got to meet him. I'm, I'm going to make us all feel very old. It was 25 years ago last week that The Undertaker threw mankind off the Hell in a Cell cage. 25, it happened in Pittsburgh. It happened in Pittsburgh, and I always complain. I'm a, I'm a Pittsburgh guy, Cruck. I still still live there. Uh, my dad took me to all of the shows. Every time WWE came to town, we would go to the arena, the Civic Arena at the time, and, and watch. And for whatever reason, that event happened, and we stayed home. We watched it on pay-per-view. And to this day, I still tease my dad, and I go, Dad, see, had you taken us, what would have happened with my career? And he's like, I think it worked out okay for you. You ended up on the on the right side of history. But what a, what an incredible spectacle! And, and Mick still unbelievably doesn't get enough credit for his contributions to to this game. It's unbelievable. You know, look, the Undertaker's the Undertaker. He's a legend. We all know that. But that match, uh, to me, it put those two at the top, and everyone else was playing for second. For sure, that, that was the way I looked at it. And it was, I mean, just just watching him get thrown off the the that the top of that cage and and i'm like my god i mean is he is he well, i thought he was dead i ain't gonna lie i thought my god he's dead we're gonna go to commercial or, or they're gonna cut the screen or something or go to black or whatever they do on those pay-per-view events but i i mean i thought he was literally i thought he was dead and the undertaker last week speaking about it said i had this out-of-body experience when i when i threw you and that even in and of itself, I'm sitting there watching it going, man, this, the, the hairs in the back of my neck are standing up here. You know, an out-of-body experience just chucking someone off a, a steel cage. Wild stuff. Hey, John, Rhea Ripley, you said recently on an MLB broadcast that she's your favorite. Yeah. Why does Rhea stand out for you? Well, when she was in NXT and it was uh, uh, Raquel Gonzalez, who's now Raquel Rodriguez, uh, I watched them in a match. And it was, and you can go any two men, any two women, it was the greatest match I've ever seen. It was so athletic and so physical. I mean, those two literally beat the crap out of each other. And it wasn't like a you know five-minute match. I mean, this one went on. And it got better as it went on. Like sometimes you like get, you know, a, long, a match goes along. Like I remember when you first started, they had like, you know, 30 minute time limit. I'm like, Oh God, who's going to wrestle for 30 minutes. But, right. but this match went, it seemed like it went on for 15, 20 minutes. And I mean, it was, so I became a fan of both of them. Um, and then, you know, of course, Rhea got to WWE before uh, Raquel. And then when Raquel came in, you know, I'm like, Oh man, those two have to fight for the championship. And I think what I saw Monday night, that could happen. You took the way. 
You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, I was going to ask if you saw Monday night, saw that little interaction, and I think uh, that definitely has the, the fans salivating. I agree with you with the physicality. We talked about uh, after WrestleMania how incredible Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair was, how for me that might have been the most exciting match all weekend. It's like truly classic. And back to your point of the evolution of the, of the sport, uh, seeing women now who are physically outperforming the men oftentimes is, is a relatively common sight. It's truly changed the business. It, it really has. It, 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 and I'm telling you, I, Bianca Belair, holy crap, what an athlete she is. I, and, and, of course, her husband, Montez, is an unbelievable athlete, too. I love watching those two compete. Um, the problem I have is, Corey and Kevin, is you got to talk to Vince or 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 Hunter or someone, they got to move Friday night smack down to Thursday because in my life in baseball, if we ever have an off day, it's Mondays and Thursdays. Okay. <laughs> they always play on Friday. So I don't ever get a chance to watch SmackDown. And I'm, I'm going I'm to text my, my buddy who's an exec at Fox sports right now. <laughs> please do. But yeah, every chance I like when I'm at home, I record them in case we're out somewhere. And uh, you know, my daughter's going to go away to college. So we're going to be, going to Georgia a lot to watch uh, her play volleyball and stuff. But, um, um, you know, so I record them. And so, like, I haven't been home in probably two months, I guess. So when I go home, and I think I'm going home next week or week after, uh, I'm going to binge watch all the Friday night SmackDown that I haven't gotten a chance to watch. So they're all recorded and ready to go, man. You are you are in for something special. This bloodline drama has been some of the all-time great story-wise. Isn't it awesome? Who thought Sami Zayn would be right? <laughs> I know. You, you didn't think so, John? Well, I, I was doubting for a second, but then when then when Kevin Owens joined him, then I thought, okay, there's something going on here. That's the thing. I love these storylines because I like to think I can figure out, okay, gosh, you know, there this is going to happen. But uh, when uh, what was it? Is it Jay? I think Jay uh, super kicked Roman. Uh, I'm like, well, oh boy, you know. But then Solo, man, he's he had a tough decision to make. His brothers are the tribal chief, and I don't think I'd mess with him. Solo is a terrifying, terrifying individual. I, I just, I just don't like people who don't talk a lot. I don't trust him, <laughs> you know. And he doesn't talk a lot, but you know, he's thinking, you know, I could snap your neck in a second if I really wanted to. But he never comes out and says it. He's scary, though. No doubt. I, I feel like for people like John, we need to have a weekly bloodline clip that just goes out, Corey. That's just simply the bloodline cinema story you know, captured so that you don't have to sit through the full two hours. And if you're catching up on five or six episodes, John, you've got a lot of time in your couch there. Yeah, you know? no, I, but I, I, well, I have time. That's all I got when I'm at home in the winter. I don't do a whole lot, uh, you know, bed to the recliner and then back to bed. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to, to give an educated guess, speculate a little bit, if you would. We're going we're gonna to freeze this so that maybe six months down the road, we can play it back. John, once the bloodline is finished and it completely disintegrates. Who's the tribal chief? I, I here, here's my thinking. I think Solo's going to come to the realization that you know the Usos are his brothers, and even though Roman's a cousin, I got a feeling at some point, possibly in a pay per view, that Solo turns on Roman, and Solo becomes the tribal chief. There it is. That's good. I like that. 
And you can't argue against it. We, Kevin and I, every week on this podcast, try to speculate which way is it going to go and the twists and the turns and the betrayals. And just when you think you have it figured out, it goes the complete opposite direction. It truly has been cinematic in the storytelling aspect. And it, it's got to go down as one of the greatest storylines this business has ever seen. I don't know who came up with the idea, but I, that son of a gun should be given a big raise because it is <laughs> like, 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 oh, my God. I think I said it on TV the other night, Friday. I said, I said, you know, we're in, uh, where were we? Tampa, I believe. And, uh, or no, Miami. And I was in Miami with the Phillies and, you know, they played Friday night. So I missed it. And I think I mentioned on the air, I said, you know, this, this is great. The Phillies were losing at the time. They ended up coming back and winning in ninth inning. But, you know, I said, you know, this stinks. You know, I could, I'm going to miss what's happening with the bloodline or something. Like that. <laughs> and you know, my partner's like, the hell? Yeah, what what are you talking about? I said, oh, <laughs> did I say that out loud? Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. John, if we could if we could inject you into WWE and we find a role for you, you know, I'm thinking obviously you'd be incredible if you're on the commentary desk alongside myself and Corey. But if you were to play a character and you were to be a manager, which I think you'd be a damn brilliant manager in WWE, who would you like to manage? Oh. Let me think about that one. Who would I manage? I could see you being a manager for the Judgment Day. It had to be someone to talk trash. I, oh, I'm a I'm a big fan of Damian Priest, so maybe Damian. Okay. If that if that entity goes away, probably because Damian's you know he's from Puerto Rico. He's a big baseball fan. He is. Um, we converse every once in a while. So, uh, um. Yeah, I it probably be, but Damien's a pretty good talker. So I don't know who would need a good talker. I would I would go tag team with again whoever I'm managing and Paul Heyman. Okay, okay. I think I go. I think I could take Paul. You think you could take Paul Heyman? We're about the same age. <laughs> I think we're hey, about the same hey, age. I don't know if you know this, but WrestleMania 40 is going down in Philadelphia. We can start start putting it out into the into the public consciousness now. John Cruck versus Paul Heyman at Lincoln Financial oh, Field. Oh no. <laughs> please. Cruck said no. No. No, my God. Corey, I I, I had uh, we were counting the other day about thirty something surgeries. So uh I am I if it, let's put it this way, if Paul Heyman just put his finger on me like this and just Barely touch me, down I go. The new finger poke of doom. <laughs> I'm like in my prime, I think I could have taken Paul Heyman, but that prime's over, buddy. Is it safe to assume that uh, you'll be around for WrestleMania? Because I, I think we could probably do our best. Next summer? Uh, yeah, in the springtime. I don't have the date in front of me, but it, yeah, Lincoln Financial, WrestleMania, two nights in Philadelphia. Yeah, I can, I'll probably be there, unless, unless the Phillies are playing, which... Hopefully they're on the road. You're gonna call in sick that day, John. Yeah, there you go. Well, there you Corey, go. Corey, Corey, text me the date, and I'm gonna make sure that when the schedule comes out for next year, my announcing schedule, I can make sure I have that that off. There we go. Absolutely. And in the meantime, do you travel with the team all the time, or just once in a blue moon? Do you pick your spots? No, uh, I had some health issues last year, so I couldn't travel. Uh, I can only do some uh, home games, and this year they limited. So I went on one trip to Texas, New York. Uh, I just got back from Tampa, Miami. And then in September, I go St. Louis to Atlanta. And then I'm done. So I'll stay in Atlanta because my daughter actually has a volleyball game the last night, the last day I'm in Atlanta. So I'll drive up and watch her play and 
And then uh, who knows what the heck I'm going to do. Go home and play golf. There you go. If you make it to PNC Park at any point, let me know. I'm going to come hang out with you. I need to get in the booth with John Kruk. So, so this is it. We're doing dream booking here, guys. We're talking <laughs> yeah. dream booking. My dream booking, if I, if I may, would be John Crook and Corey Graves in the booth together. I would love to see Graves on play-by-play alongside John Crook. On an, that's how I'll watch baseball. <laughs> I will watch baseball and commit to watching it if you two are alongside each other in the booth. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you all ever do soccer, I might watch it. Okay. There we go. All right. We'll make it happen. That would be the second time I've ever watched it. <laughs> no, yeah. So so look, I'll look at the schedule for next year, Corey, and I, uh, you know, I can hopefully let them know that I want to be on that Pittsburgh trip. So there we go. If not, I'll make a, I'll make a trip. We'll get, Philly's easy for me. We'll get your we'll get you in the booth, man. We'll talk about the buckos and there we go nobody on earth will understand anything we're talking about unless they're wwe fans but <laughs> we wwe fans will think it's the best ball game of all time <laughs> make it happen oh you'd be you'd be surprised hey you know i got drafted by the pirates originally did you really yeah i didn't know that I mean, you started in san diego but i didn't realize the pirates drafted you yeah there used to be a january draft so i got drafted in january and when the guy came down to talk to me to try to sign me, he said, well, we're going to send you to Bradenton for minor league spring training, and then we're going to send you home. And I'm like, what the, what the hell? I ain't got no team at home. Where, you know, and uh, and I thought, well, that that's not too good an offer, you know. So I had to have my dad with me because I was I think I might have been only 17. So my dad was with me and my dad basically told a guy, you know, you can go do something to yourself, <laughs> uh, which my dad was very colorful. He would have been a great talker in WWE. I mean, that I, was man. probably one of those four words we're not allowed to say. Yeah, yeah I began with an F. But um, <laughs> so, you know, the guy looks at me. My dad gets up, walks away. My my And and uh, the guy looked at me and he said, what do you think? And I said, you heard him go, you know what, yourself. And I walked out. And I remember driving back home and, I, you know, my no conversation. And so I asked my dad, I said, what happens if I don't get drafted? Did we just miss an opportunity? And he goes, well, I guess that's on you now, isn't it? I'm like, oh, dear God. You know, talk about pressure. But I, I didn't – baseball, I love basketball. I, I actually – I never got one offer in college to play baseball. They were all for basketball. So I went to a junior college to play basketball with the thought of if I wanted to play baseball, I could – I didn't want to, but someone got hurt on a team, the right fielder in the fall playing football. And so they said, you know, can you come play, play, come to basketball practice every day? Can you come play? Come. I'm like, nah. So I ran into one of the baseball guys and he said, you know, we go to Florida for two weeks. We get off school for a week. It's spring break. And then we get a, I said, shoot, you got yourself a right fielder. I'm getting out of school and going to Florida. <laughs> and that's how it happened. It worked out pretty well in your favor, but it's funny how life works. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, you get lucky. Sometimes you make the right decision. Before I let you go, John, as we sit here and have this conversation, and I think back to your playing days, uh, it, one comparison comes to mind immediately from me as a fan of baseball and wrestling. In a way, I think it could be argued you had a bit of a Dusty Rhodes vibe to you. You were the common man of baseball. You weren't the athlete. You were a ball player, as you so infamously stated. Was that intentional? Is that something you were aware of? Did Dusty Rhodes have any influence on you, or is it just sort of how life worked out? Well, I, Dusty, I, I keep forgetting how great a talker he was. Dusty was mm-hmm. unbelievable. The best. You know? The best. Oh, God, he was so good. And um, 
you know, I, I never thought of, you know, people just, you know, when you're after a game or, you know, you have to sit down with the reporter or whatever, like I never tried to be anything other than what I was. And, you know, like with Letterman and, and other things I've done, um, you know, I, people ask me questions. I answer them. I, you know, I'm not hiding anything. I'm, you know, I, you know, what transparency, I guess, is a big thing now. I, I, you know, people ask me, I tell them, I, you know, if they like it, fine. If they don't, I don't really give a rat's ass. A case of the f- it's, it's a wonderful place to be when what you the just heck's don't. That mean, Kevin? <laughs> well, I could have got, I could have got. It's, it changes a letter in the four letter word. And apparently in Ireland, it's not a swear word. <laughs> what? You, you got to teach me that. And I can use it on the air. You got to say it after me, John. F- it. You get out of trouble then, you know? F- it. There you go. <laughs> boy, you, you change that E with a U, boy, you're in deep trouble. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> oh, John, this was absolutely a blast, man. I, I appreciate you taking the time, and you're always welcome here on After the Bell. Any, uh, any words for the WWE universe? Hey, keep doing what you're doing because it is entertaining. You see the crowds, you know, after the pandemic, the crowds come back. I'm sure the ratings are unbelievable. I will tell you this. I love listening to you two, you know, announcing. And it was so funny the other day, Corey, when you couldn't describe a uh, no-holds-barred match or whatever they were. (laughs) Oh, my God. I I was back here in the bedroom watching. I started laughing out loud. (laughs) Kevin, help me out here. (laughs) That was on me. No, no, no. Uh, There's so much stuff going on. You're you're a broadcaster, you know, and you – know that sometimes you have a bunch of voices in your head and you're getting, hey, this count's coming and that's coming. And people think, hey, we just get to sit and talk about wrestling for three hours. There's a lot happening. And yeah. at that moment, I just went, Kevin, help. Well, there, there's a player for the Miami Marlins. He's hurt now. His name is Jazz Chisholm. Yes. Well, you know, when you don't see a team, you only see him like three times a year, really. You don't know how many times I've called him. Chaz, <laughs> to where I had to apologize to one of the coaches because I, I but, it, you know, because I I, I I remember the first time I saw his name, we were going on the air and I'm like, I'm like, oh, man, I, I, I don't know if I can do this, man. I said, I got a feeling I'm going to screw it up. Lo and behold, first time up, he hit a base hit. And I said, I said, uh, you know, that's a beautiful swing by Chaz. But I'm like, I mean, people on social media are like, what did you just call him? I'm like, oh, you know, so I had to kind of, you know, I, I did apologize to one of their coaches and say, hey, can you apologize for me? I just, he said, don't worry. Almost every announcer does it. I'm like, oh, thank God I'm not the only one. Hey, you, you know, as well as I do, Monday Night Raw and a major league game are about the same time, you know, three hour window. And, and that's a lot of time to step on your own tongue. <laughs> oh, man, I can't. Uh, John, John, I can't say triple threat. See, <laughs> triple threat, triple threat. <laughs> Those THs for us dubs, I mean, it screws us completely. <laughs> I hear you. Well, you might want to get advice from Seamus. Seamus can probably say it. That's right. He, he's, he has your accent. <laughs> hey, did you, hey, Kevin, did you really grow up down the block from... Um, um, from Becky? Uh, Becky Lynch? Yeah. Yeah, Becky and I used to pass each other going to school. 
Yeah, I mean, Corey, Corey will come after me for, for my love for Becky, but I mean, it's 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 a parochial thing. We're down the road from each other. Hey, that's right. He has love for someone else, too. So you're, you're, you're all right. The problem is, he married his. You didn't. <laughs> uh, I'm Seth freaking Rollins coming after me now hey. if I'm not careful. Well, that, that you're a smart man. <laughs> Crook, where can the ATB faithful find you on social media? The what? On social, <laughs> on social media, on Twitter. No, it's on Where, Twitter. I don't. What is my thing? At, are you at on, John, are you, here, I got real deep with it. I think it's at John Crook. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Did you jo- did you join Threads, John? Did you join Threads? What's that? Exactly. <laughs> KP, you're too oh, much, man. What's Threads? What is that? It's it's a new Twitter. It's Zuckerberg and Musk are going after each other. We got to get those two in the in the WWE yeah. ring. Well, I, I told I told him this. I said, you know, when I know it's my last game announcing, I'm going to retire. Before I leave the booth, I will delete Twitter <laughs> and never get on any social media again. <laughs> Good for you. Mike Tyson had the best. Social media has made people brave enough that they can't get punched in the face. No kidding. No doubt about it. KP and I oh, know you, that you all, guys too well. know. <laughs> all too well. All too well. Yeah. So don't follow yeah. Cruck at John Cruck on Twitter. <laughs> no. Don't book him on Cameo. <laughs> He's busy. No, I do do Cameo. That's right. I do do Cameo. Okay, so do book John Cruck on Cameo. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy it. You know, I, I I was supposed to do one and my phone got messed up and I couldn't do it. I don't know. My apps all disappeared. It was weird. And I don't know how to do that crap. So I actually was supposed to wish this couple a uh, you know congratulate them on their upcoming wedding and all that stuff well, i didn't know how to do it and then when i finally got it back it was lapsed so i called some i, I texted a guy that i know that knew them and i said send me their address after tonight's or after the day's game i'm going to drive over to their house I, I drove over to their house i don't know these people they had just gotten back from their honeymoon and i just walked in the door like 10 o'clock at night Please. Walked in, opened up the door and walked in. Now, (laughs) if they were carrying, I probably would have got shot. But they were like, what the hell are you doing here? I said, well, I wanted to wish you, you know, congratulate you on your wedding. And apparently the honeymoon went great. You're both smiling. So, yeah. But she, she, She said, she said, can you give me some marriage advice? I'm like, yeah, I'm the one to ask. So, you know, I said, just. You know, I told him, I said, do everything she tells you. And I told her, don't be cheap. I, I said another word, but I don't want to say it. But, you know. Valuable life, love, marriage advice from John Cruck. <laughs> Here on After the Who would have knew? Who knew? Love it. Oh, man, Cruck, this was a blast. I can't wait to, to catch up again. Uh, hopefully we see you at WrestleMania, if not before. Good luck to you. Safe travels. And uh, we'll all be watching along on the Phillies broadcast, even if I'm rooting against you. All right, thank you all. Hey, Kevin, Corey, keep up the good work, man. You're a pleasure to watch and listen to. Cheers, man. Hey, man, we get to have Crook Heyman 2024. (laughs) I want to see it. All right, make sure you're following us. We'll do one baseball game and then one wrestling. Hey, we'll make it happen. You and I, Corey. There we go. Let's do it, Crook. I love it. Crook and Graves taking over the world. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you're following us. Kevin, you might not get a word in edgewise. He's, That's all good, he's already baby. used to it. That's he works all good. with me already. That's all good. Well, yeah, he's he, he's the highest paid. I'd love to see it. He's the highest paid announcer per word. That's right. Yeah. And I don't even know what he makes. 
<laughs> that's probably fair. That's a, that's a great way to phrase it. I, I love that point of view. <laughs> Make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find KP at Kev underscore Egan. Listen for free wherever you get your podcasts. Just search After the Bell and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. Full episodes of ATB are available on the official WWE YouTube channel each and every Monday. And we'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE After the Bell.